On April 27, 2023, the state of Washington's legislature passed House Bill 1155, known as the My Health, My Data Act. The act broadens the scope of what is considered consumer health data, which may force many organizations to reevaluate their privacy compliance programs. I'm Randall Rubenking, and you're listening to Baker Hosts. On today's episode, we explore this groundbreaking piece of legislation with Andreas Kalsunis and Alex Vitrick. Andreas is a partner in the Digital Assets and Data Management Group at Baker Hostetler and is co-leader of the group's Digital Risk Advisory and Cybersecurity Team. Alex is an associate for the team's litigation practice group. Welcome, Andreas and Alex. Thanks, Randall. Great to be here. Hi, Randall. It's nice to be here with you. All right. To kick things off, Andreas, can you give our listeners a brief overview of the new My Health, My Data Act? Absolutely. So uh, the My Health, My Data Act is extremely broad and promises to regulate many businesses that don't consider themselves to be handling health data. And that's probably one of the most important points we want to keep making um, today is um, it, it is very likely to be regulating businesses that have not traditionally thought of themselves as handling health data. So two quick points on where this law came from and, and what it's trying to regulate. Uh, first, Washington passed the law earlier this year in April in response to the Supreme Court's decision last year overturning Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs case. It, it is part of Washington State's what they call choice-defending agenda that's primarily intended or was, was primarily intended to protect a woman's right to access healthcare services. Uh, regardless, and this is an important point, regardless of whether the woman is a Washington state resident or a resident of another state. Uh, the second point, though, is that the law goes much further than just protecting access to reproductive health care rights. The legislature expanded the law to cover data that relates to someone's health broadly, and that's held by organizations outside traditional healthcare entities. So a gym or a chiropractor, massage therapist, or importantly, an app that tracks information about your sleep, digestion, or fatigue, all of that can fall within the law's coverage. And for businesses that are covered by the law, it includes a, a set of really strict consumer privacy requirements, such as collection and use restrictions, consent requirements, and rights to access and delete data. And as we'll be discussing today, it includes a private right of action allowing individuals to sue for violations, which really ratchets up the risk for organizations. And finally, most parts of the law will take effect in March 2024. So time really is running short now to address the law's compliance obligations. All right. Well, Alex, what makes this new law so unique compared to other state privacy laws? Absolutely. So just building off of what Andreas just said, this is really one of the most far-reaching privacy laws in the country. It has one of the most far-reaching private rights of action, and that is a big deal. So it applies broadly to any violation of the statute. So anything from consumer rights to notice and consent obligations, restrictions on selling and sharing data, all of that is fair game. And what that means is a plaintiff's lawyer can pick on any one of those provisions. And even if it's just a hyper-technical violation of the act, um, and, and, and there are certain deterrents, uh, which we'll discuss later, but any provision of the act is fair game 
for a private lawsuit, essentially. And there are no meaningful prerequisites or deterrents, really, to exercising the private right of action. For instance, there's no opportunity to cure, and there are there's no limitation on actions based on a violation's severity. So, as stated, hyper-technical interpretations uh, appear to be fair game. And thirdly, the Act's broad definitions bring an expansive range of consumers and data within the private right of action scope. A consumer is defined to include not just Washington residents, as Andrea said, but any natural person whose health data is collected in Washington. And the term collect includes any processing. So the Act appears to let non-Washington residents file suit even if their consumer health data has simply been processed in Washington. And the term itself, consumer health data, is very broadly defined. And it extends well beyond what most people typically conceive of as medical history, diagnosis, or treatment information. So what does that mean? In sum, any natural person anywhere whose health data is processed in Washington state could bring suit under the act for any violation against an entity that meets the act's minimal nexus requirements to qualify as a regulated entity. Um, and there are some narrow exceptions, but the bottom line is, as we've stressed earlier, this is a very broad law and it poses significant risks to businesses uh, starting very soon. Andreas, could you please explain to us how the act interacts with state's Consumer Protection Act? Yes. So Alex was just talking about all the reasons why this private right of action is problematic and the 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 link between the My Health My Data Act and the state's Consumer Protection Act is what really gives the law its teeth. So the the legislature has declared any violation of the law as as Alex was saying even hypertechnical violations are considered what's called a per se violation of the state's Consumer Protection Act. What that means is that any violation of the act has been declared by the legislature to be a matter of public concern that is also an unfair or deceptive uh, practice under the Consumer Protection Act. This declaration by the legislature makes it much simpler for an individual to prove a Consumer Protection Act violation when the underlying conduct is alleged to violate any part of the My Health, My Data Act. And, And in addition to that, because the Consumer Protection Act itself allows for treble damages, which means tripling of of damages that that an individual can prove, also allows for injunctive relief and attorney's fees. All of those remedies are available to individuals that allege a violation of the My Health, My Data Act, because again, it's through the Consumer Protection Act that you bring those those claims. Um, So all of that acts together to further increase the risk associated with violations of this statute. Okay. Well, then to follow up on that, Alex, what should organizations know about the risks of class action lawsuits? Are those risks higher under this new legislation? Absolutely. They're quite high. So as Andreas alluded to earlier, there are a range of different types of damages available. Now, unlike with certain privacy statutes like California's CCPA or Illinois' BIPA, the Biometric Information Privacy Act, 
there are no statutory or liquidated damages available in private suits for a violation of my health, my data. So, so on the one hand, that is an important limitation, but at the same time, the act is not toothless when it comes to damages. It allows for actual damages, treble damages, as Andreas said, attorneys fees and costs and injunctive relief. And, and also a big question as has been litigated over the years with BIPA is whether each claim for a violation of the act accrues just once when consumer health data is first collected or disclosed, or as with BIPA, as a recent ruling uh, has determined, a new claim accrues each time that consumer health data is collected or disclosed. So that's going to be a very important uh, consideration. But more broadly, when it comes to the risks, the risks are high. Bottom line, the risks are very high. As we've discussed, any alleged violation of the act is actionable. There are few restrictions on the private right of action and non-residents can sue in some cases. And attorney's fees are available. So that's th those, are, those are big deals uh, to say the least. And then the act has expansive and also vague provisions. For instance, the definition of consumer health data. Biometric data is also very broadly defined within the ambit of consumer health data. And Washington is also home to some of the largest technology companies and cloud service providers in the world, which really are ideal targets for plaintiff's lawyers, as we've seen in, in other contexts in the privacy world. And the act also arises within a broader trend toward intense scrutiny of health information practices under state privacy laws, as there are a number of lawsuits pending uh, within this area which further increases the risk of not just private lawsuits, but regulatory enforcement as well. So the bottom line is plaintiffs must prove an injury to their business or property under the uh, CPA. But at the same time, Washington courts have held that such injury need not be monetary as long as the plaintiff can prove a specific harm to his or her business or property. And since the act is novel, there is a level of uncertainty as to what the litigation landscape will look like. But uncertainty is one of those things that really heightens litigation risk and plaintiff's lawyers will certainly look for opportunities to try to exploit the law. Determination of whether a class may be certified is going to be a critical juncture in these types of cases. And there are strong grounds, including decisions that the Baker team recently achieved for finding that those types of cases are not suitable for class treatment. But again, this is a law that really will be tested in the courts. And so that uncertainty and, and, and the vagueness in certain provisions of the act is going to potentially uh, result in, in lawsuits being filed. So that's definitely something to be aware of. All right. Well, given what sounds like a very real escalation of these risks, Andreas, what can organizations do now to help mitigate these escalated risks? Sure. So step one is the same step we'd recommend for compliance with any of, the, of these new privacy uh, laws that's out there. And that's, you've got to know what information you have. So, so step one here is determining whether or not an organization really has 
data that is going to fall within this definition of consumer health data. This is not, as we've as we've been finding working with clients on these questions, this is not always an easy decision. And some organizations will have some important legal and business risk assessments to make about you know how they bucket the data and how they're going to treat it. For organizations that do decide they have consumer health data, they need to start working on the compliance plan for that data now. And that is going to include, at a high level, developing a consumer health data privacy policy for that data, which does likely need to be a, a, a separate policy or at least set out separately from other policy information. They'll need to evaluate their current consent mechanisms they have in place for when they get consent and what language is used in those consents as what an organization is doing now might not be sufficient under, under this law. And they need to look at what sort of disclosures of this data they're making to third parties, which includes, by the way, affiliate organizations to an organization. Again, these are stricter requirements than, than exist previously. They may need to update their existing processes to address data subject rights. As again, although the, the rights are the same uh, as other laws in terms of providing access or deletion rights, the way they're implemented and, and the requirements that apply in these laws are, are somewhat more strict than, than what exists in other laws. And, and organizations may need to also apply some additional security controls, including internal security controls and who internally can access this data beyond what they're doing currently if it qualifies as consumer health data. And then finally, they need to think about what their compliance obligations are with respect to third parties that handle the consumer health data, or, and and this is an important nuance, that, that may provide data to an organization, especially maybe in the marketing context, where an organization is receiving data or inferences about people from a third party. Where did that data originate? What are those inferences based on? Does, does that qualify as consumer health data? So I, I think you can hear from, from just this list that I've gone through, it's, it's a lot to do. And the risk of both, both enforcement by the attorney general and by private litigants under the private right of action starts in March. And, um, you know, with the the holiday season coming up, March comes very quickly after that. And, you know, we really are encouraging organizations to start the work now as soon as possible. So they'll have time to implement the steps they need to if they they determine that they're processing consumer health data. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Andreas and Alex. Thank you, Randall. Great. Thanks, Randall. If you have any questions for Andreas and Alex, their contact information is in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening to Baker Hosts. Comments heard on Baker Hosts are for informational purposes and should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. Listeners should not act upon the information provided on Baker Hosts without first consulting with a lawyer directly. The opinions expressed on Baker Hosts are those of participants appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information about our practices and experience, please visit bakerlaw.com.